Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for these wonderful hymns. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And Father, I pray as we look into your word that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of him, that you would help us to uh, understand your word and apply it rightly by your spirit to our lives so that we become more and more like your son, Jesus. Lord, bless your word as it goes out. Pray this in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to be beginning a new book next week, so be reading into that, uh, reading forward in the book of Nehemiah. But uh, today, uh, so I was praying about what to, to share, uh, felt prompted that we need to be reminded of uh, what someone who is truly blessed looks like. And so would you turn your Bibles to Psalm 1, Psalm 1. Indeed, we're going to see today that there are two types of people, that there are two ways of life, and that there are two eternal destinies. And in this foundational psalm, in the, all, in the first psalm of all the psalms, uh, we see that we need to ask the question, which way is mine? Which way is mine? Well, the context, we know the psalms, uh, term psalms comes from the Greek word psalmoi, which meant to pluck in a string. And the uh, Hebrew word also has uh, uh, words translated, psalm and song, both have as that idea of song involved in it. Um, the psalms are music, uh, or actually they are Israel's inspired hymns set to music. They are inspired lyrics. Uh, they are a book of praises, uh, often in poetic form, but inspired by the Spirit. Now we have five books within the psalms, and within those five books... We have 150 psalms, and today we begin looking at the first one. Let's read it together. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish, will perish. Now, in making some initial observations concerning this psalm, obviously, if you looked at it, if you just heard what I read, there's a contrast. There's a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Look down at verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's a contrast between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And within this contrast, we understand uh, what the righteous look like and that the righteous are blessed and why they are blessed. Notice the blessed man, verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. We have a statement of, uh, of blessing describing this righteous man. 
describing this righteous man. How blessed is the man. And this uh, Hebrew word, ashar, speaks of happiness. But this is not a happiness like the world would see happiness. The world relates happiness to what is going on in their lives. Things are good, they're happy. Things are bad, they're not happy. But here, it's a, it speaks of a, of a happiness and a, and, a, and a fortunateness, in a sense. I don't know if that's a word or not, but being fortunate, how blessed, how fortunate, how, how happy one is because of a certain thing, as we're going to see, because of a certain lifestyle, because of a relationship, as we will see. And again, this is not a blessedness that is tied to circumstance, Tied to circumstance. Indeed, when we were in uh, the book of Matthew, we looked at the uh, Beatitudes, those uh, blessed are statements that our Lord gave. Uh, Matthew we have in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7. And we have this same word that is translated in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And that's our word here, blessed, Mercurios. Now, obviously, if you were with us when we went through the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus talked about those who were blessed, and he said one group was blessed if they were persecuted. Wait a second. That doesn't sound like blessing. Remember the phrase, blessed are those who are persecuted. Well, that means they are fortunate. They are going to be happy and blessed in the relationship they have because persecution is an evidence of that, as we will see, it is not the persecution that causes them to be blessed. It is an evidence that they are blessed, as we will see. As we will see. Indeed, throughout Scripture, blessedness or happiness, in this sense, oh how happy, is tied to a right relationship with the Lord God. It's tied to a right relationship with the Lord God. Let me share a couple of passages. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, I'll read this for you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You are blessed. You are blessed if you take refuge in the Lord. Romans chapter 4, verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. You are blessed if you have been forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. And whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord, whose sin the Lord will not take into account. You may not feel happy in the moment as things happen in your life, but you are blessed and oh how happy we should be because of the forgiveness of sins we have in Jesus Christ. You are blessed if you are one of the forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. James chapter 1 verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Psalm 94, verse 12. Blessed is the man whom thou dost chasten. You're blessed if God spanks you. You're blessed if God spanks you. Certainly that's true of a human family. If your parents chasten you, that means they love you. They care for you. They care for your well-being more than their own. And so they chasten you. And the same thing with the Lord. You are blessed. It means you have a relationship with him. He says, how blessed the man whom thou dost chasten, O Lord, and dost teach out of thy law. Taught the word of God. Psalm 84, verse 12. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in thee. You are oh so fortunate, oh so blessed, oh so happy if you trust in the Lord. If you trust in the Lord. 
Psalm 112, praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. How blessed, uh, we read this earlier, Psalm 119, verse 2. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek after him with all their heart. With all their heart. Psalm 128, verse 1. A psalm of ascents, song of ascents. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. Proverbs 28:14. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And I've read this before, but... Uh, the Lord Jesus uh, was sharing and a lady raised her voice and talked about blessing, but the Lord had to correct her. Luke chapter 11, verse 27, and I'll read this for you. Luke 11, 27. And it came about while he said these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast through which you were nursed. You know, she probably thought that was a great spiritual statement. But the Lord said here, but he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. You are blessed if you have a relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of sins. You are blessed if you have his spirit because of that relationship now, which you do, and you can obey, hear his word and obey it. You are blessed. You are blessed. So blessedness is intricately tied to a relationship with the living God through the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. You see, and when we are not walking rightly before the Lord, we're not blessed at all. When our hearts are not focused on his word and thus him, we are not blessed at all, as we'll see. It's when we are walking rightly, we're walking in his ways because of him, when we are wanting to hear his voice because we love him, we want to know his word, we want to hear him. When we are focused on him, we will see in our passage we're blessed. So in our passage here, the, the text is actually, back in Psalm 1, is actually emphatic. You could say, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy. Oh, or, or blessed, oh, how very happy or blessed is the one who doesn't do these things and does these things. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you had joy in the midst of difficult or painful circumstances? This life is full of difficulty. And for some of you, that answer may be never. But we're going to see that blessedness is something that comes apart from circumstances. It is tied to a relationship with God, and we'll see through his word. So our passage, the inspired author says, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy. And now notice this happiness is conditional. Oh, how happy. Oh, how blessed is the man who does not some things and then does some other things. It's conditional. It's conditional. There's a certain group of people who are blessed, and there are those who don't do this and do do that, as we will see. And what are those things? Well, first of all, we're going to see the things that the blessed man does not do. We're going to see that he doesn't live by man's wisdom. And he is not controlled and entrenched in sin. 
That's the blessed man. He's not that way. Verse 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, certainly, as I read that, you could see the progression to walk, stand, and sit, and and there's been a lot made of that. And obviously, there's a sinful progression here, or maybe regression, basically. But that's not really the point, I believe, because the blessed man does neither of these three things. He doesn't do any of them. It's not that he does a couple, maybe not one, or this or that. He does none of them. He does none of them. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. There's your basic, the basis, the first one. Nor stand in the path of sinners, two, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. And all of these things reveal one thing. This blessed man is not controlled by sinful, sinful mindset and thus exhibiting sinful ways. It's not controlled by sin. His life course, notice first of all, his belief system is not determined by the ungodly. Oh, how many Christians I have known and I see who, who take in and absorb uh, the, the, the so-called truths of the world and live by them rather than by what God says in his word. And they are not blessed, by the way. They are always having trouble, by the way. So in our passage, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The term walk speaks of a life. A life. Halak. It speaks of a course of life. The blessed man, the happy man, the fortunate man, the one who's rightly with the right relationship with the Lord, does not uh, have his course of life uh, determined by the counsel of the wicked. Wow, well, what is it? What's this? With this in mind, who are the wicked? You know, so often we have an incomplete view of who the wicked truly are. Now, certainly Hitler was wicked. Stalin was wicked. The abuser of children is wicked. The abortionist is wicked. Maybe some politicians might be wicked. Yes, no doubt about that. But is it our analysis that determines whether someone's wicked or not? No, it's God's analysis. You see, man looks at the outside, but God sees the heart. First Samuel 16, 7. So who are the wicked? Well, simply the wicked are, in Scripture, identified by their actions in, in the context of sin. We'll see later on in our psalm, our very psalm, that they are those who do not have a relationship with God, and they will not stand in the judgment because they are still in their sins, and they have not been forgiven, and they will be judged. The wicked are those who are identified by their sin. Now, there are other characteristics of the righteous and the wicked that manifest from their interesting passage, Malachi chapter 3, verse 18. So you will distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. You know, there are people who appear to serve God at times, but they're serving themselves, by the way. Those who serve God from a clear and right heart are an evidence that they are not among the wicked. But you might be saying, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not one of those wicked. I've never done any of this stuff. I don't go out and kill and murder and things like that. I'm not a pervert or whatever. I'm not one of these people. Well, the reality is, we're going to see also, not only is it those who do not stand the counsel of the wicked, the righteous man or the blessed man is one who meditates on the Word of God. If you don't have a desire, as we will see, to be in the Word of God and thus desire the God of the Word, then maybe you are 
in that other camp, having not been forgiven. You see, the reality is that the wicked are those who have not repented of their sins. Not repent of their sins. Ezekiel 18.23, God says, Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? God doesn't rejoice when a wicked man dies. He says here, declares the Lord, rather that he should turn from his ways and live. Turn. Turn to God for forgiveness of one's sin. First Corinthians chapter 6, we see that those who are wicked are identified by their sin, but there are those who were redeemed. They were sanctified by Christ. They believed in Christ. Let me read this for you. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Or do you not know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't let those false denominations tell you they're all good to go. They're not. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such some of you were, such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. The wicked are those who have not been redeemed from their sins, and they are identified thus by their sins and are on the way to judgment. They are unbelievers. Unbelievers. So then, back in our passage... The blessed man's walk, his course of life, is not based on, he's saying, is not based on the counsel of the wicked. The term counsel here in the old, in the Hebrew speaks of a purpose or plan, a, a resolution of the will, deliberation, a viewpoint, a way of thinking, a, a state of mind. It speaks of a viewpoint to which one makes decisions and here in the context of life. In the context of the bad guy in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So he is. So what is the psalmist saying here? The blessed man, the happy man, his course of life is not based on those who don't know Christ's counsel or ways. The way of the wicked. His paradigm, his beliefs, his way of thinking are not set by unbelievers whether they're unbelievers feigning to be believers, or make, they make believers, or just flat-out unbelievers. The blessed man is not, uh, does not live his life according to the counsel of the wicked. He is not conformed to this world, but transformed, as we will see, through the renewing of the mind. You see, Scripture reveals there are two types of wisdom. There's God's wisdom and there's man's wisdom. There's wisdom from above and wisdom from below. And that wisdom from below is man's wisdom. And James would say that it is earthly, natural, and demonic. People say, well, all truth is God's truth. That's not true. God's truth is in his word. God's truth is in his word. You see, we are to set our minds on the things above, not the things of earth. We're to focus on the things uh, of, of the Lord, and we find those things in the word of God. So the decision-making process of the wicked is to use man's wisdom. 
Man's wisdom is, is pragmatic. It, whatever works, it's selfish. It contains self-love. It's rather than a love for God. It, it, it is not submissive to God. The world thinks this, or the wicked thinks this. What's best for me? What will make me happy? What works? Does it work? Okay, if it works, then that's good to go. The blessed man does not walk this way. His course of life is not determined by the counsel of the wicked. It is not based on man's wisdom, the wisdom of the world. It's not based on that. It is not set by unbelievers, by unbelievers. He does not live a life that takes in and absorbs the mindset of those who do not know Christ. The Apostle Paul would speak of those who had claimed to follow the Lord, but yet set their mind on earthly things. He talks about them and he calls them enemies of Christ. Enemies of Christ. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We need to watch out, brothers and sisters. We need to set our hearts on the things above. We need to meditate on the word of God. It is so subtle, as we will see, the world's wisdom is so subtle. And it is so easy to to let it creep in. But if you do, you're not blessed. I'll tell you that right now. Proverbs, or Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Hey, see those who are following Christ, depending on him, relying on him, humbly trusting him, follow that. As Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Notice what he says here. For many walk, of whom I've often told you, Paul was talking about people, and now I'll tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite or their desires, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, where do you get your counsel for life? What is the basis for your thinking? And I've told this that I've been sharing God's word for many years, and it breaks my heart when I see Christians get their counsel from those who do not know God or his word. Little examples, people who are going through difficulties, and they go to a support group for, for memory loss from the world. Why would you do that? Go to the word of God and the God of the word. Go to the word of God and the God of the word. All kinds of examples I can share where people take the understanding of non-believers and live by it rather than God's word. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. You see, we are not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the only way to do that is to have the word of God at the forefront. We'll see the blessed man is one that does that. Magazines, TV, radio, school, friends, there are a myriad of ways that we are tempted to be conformed to the world. There are a myriad of venues in which the world's mindset is introduced and pressed upon the believer, and we will be conformed to that if we are not transformed actively by renewing our minds. 
Should our counsel for this life come from TV, magazines, non-Christian counselor, psychiatrist? No way. Proverbs 17.4, an evildoer listens to wicked lips. Don't listen to him. Now, sadly, we have a wholehearted introduction and acceptance of the world's ways and mindset into the church these days under the guise of evangelism through these felt-need charlatans, skilled speakers, hirelings posing as pastors who have crept in unnoticed, secretly introducing destructive heresies. Jude talks about them. Jude, verse 3, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Paul would warn us in Colossians chapter 2 to not be taken captive by these philosophies. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. The ABCs of how the world functions. Don't be taken captive. It's so easy. And so many Christians are fully taken captive by it. And guess what? They are oh so unhappy. Believe me. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. As therefore you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Well, how'd you receive him? You received him by faith. Walk by faith. Having firmly been rooted, firmly rooted and now being built up, established in your faith, like I just said there, just as you were instructed, there's the word of God, and overflowing with gratitude. Now notice this. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy an empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. You know, I was really blessed by a, a couple that came to our church, you know, a year ago or maybe, maybe a year or so ago, and the lady was involved in this noon thing, you know, this weight loss, but it's a, it's a mental way to do it, it's, psych, it's psychology. And she realized it was wrong, and she left it. Quit her job. We have people who take their counsel from the world and when they do, they are not blessed. They're not blessed and we are not to do it. Did you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Friendship with the world is pride too. Humble yourself. You're thinking that you know more through your avenue to gain wisdom rather than what God says through his word. Now, just because it may be coming through someone who says they're a Christian, sharing some verses maybe, but if it's, if it's the world's wisdom, it's no different. It's no less wrong. No less wrong. Remember what the Lord Jesus told Peter? Peter had what was considered maybe a, an okay thought. Lord Jesus, far be it. You go to the cross, far be it. That have to happen to you. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking man's thoughts, but not God's. The blessed man does not function based on their own wisdom and ways. 
We are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. We all have our own understanding. Don't lean on it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Church needs to wake up. The blessed man does not receive counsel from the wicked. Very sad. I see it so much. Where are you receiving your counsel? Where do you receive uh, your understanding for life in whatever ways? You see, God says in his word that we've been given everything pertaining to what? Life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him, through a relationship with Jesus, through his magnificent and precious promises. We need to renew our mind with the word. And I guarantee if you are a real believer and you have areas in your life where you are receiving worldly counsel, a lot of it comes for, for people concerning um, whatever it might be. There's a million, million things. If you're doing that, you are not happy. You are not happy. Oh, oh how unhappy you are. But guess what? The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. If there's any area that you're doing so, confess it. If you're being convicted, don't push it off. Confess it. Get right with the Lord. And you will be blessed in your relationship with him as you allow his word to permeate your heart. So then the blessed man does not take his counsel from non-believers, knife counsel, But also, notice in our passage back in Psalm 1, he does not behave like them also. His lifestyle is not a course of sin. Verse 1, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. The term path, direct, in, in Hebrew, speaks of a way, a direction. Doesn't stand in the way, in a sense, in the direction that they're going. Standing in the path of sinners speaks of having actions and behavior that are consistent with those on that path. The blessed man does not habitually do the things that the wicked do, that the sinners do, the path of sinners. The blessed man does not habitually live in sin. And if he is the Lord, he will chastise him to get him out of there. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. God makes it clear. The children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive. And every time I hear that, I think of the mainline denominations that, that are always saying the opposite of these verses, by the way. Let no one deceive you. The one who practices is 1 John 3, 7. The one who practices, the word practice means continually, habitually does. Righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices continually, habitually, sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. And the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin his seed abide, because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin in the context continually habitually because he is born of God. By this, notice this, the children of God and the children of the devil are what? Obvious. God says that, not me. God says that. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his 
brother. And that's the real theme, as we'll see, of the righteousness manifest in a love for the body of Christ, as we'll see in the book of 1 John. So then, the blessed man does not continually, habitually live in sin, doesn't stand in the path of sinners. He is not on that road. He hasn't stepped over onto that path of sin. He is not there. He is not there. The blessed man does not act or behave like the wicked. Now, yes, we all fail. We all do things we did before we came to Christ. We, we, we slip up. But that is not our character. We are new creations in Christ, and we are ashamed by those actions. We confess those. We are the confessors of sin. If we say we have no sin, we're liars. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are the confessors of sin. 1 John chapter 2, these things are written that you may not sin. But if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So then, are you standing in the path of sinners? You're not blessed if you're a believer. And you're in the path of spanking, I tell you that right now. If God, if you are his. We are not to enter the path of the wicked. We are not to enter it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I'm going to mention Ephesians chapter 4 also. Paul says this, I, therefore, I say therefore and affirm with the Lord that you walk no longer like you used to walk. Let the Gentiles walk. Don't walk like them. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13. Take hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not proceed the way of evil men. Avoid it, do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So what things are you doing? Where are you stepping into the path of the wicked? Where are you doing the things of those who don't know Christ? Whether it's anger, unforgiveness, greed, envy, strife, lust, drunkenness, worry, complaining, repent and renew your mind. The blessed man does not stand in the path of sinners. So then the blessed man doesn't take counsel from the wicked. He doesn't behave like the wicked because of Christ, by the way. That's why, not because he's cleaned his life up. It's because of Christ. And then notice the last one here. He's not joined with the wicked. Back in our passage, nor sit, end of verse 1, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. The term sit speaks of a settled state. It means to dwell, to dwell. It's a settled state. When you sit in the seat of scoffers, you are closely identified with them. You are closely identified with them. And the term scoff means to make mouths at, to mock, to deride, to ridicule. One pastor writes, scoffers is the Hebrew word. It means to mock, deride, ridicule, scoff. And it's a participle of continual action here. It refers to one who is actively engaged in putting down the things of God and his word. But please note that scoffing can occur by our declaration of words or by our declaration of way of life. He goes on to talk about we can scoff at the word by ignoring it, just like they do. 
Non-believers, a scoffer scoffs at the word, they could care less about it. You can do the same by caring less about it. Do you scoff at uh, the word by being indifferent to it? Thinking your wisdom and your time is more important? Do you scoff by substituting your own ideas and experiences and emotions and feelings? Do you scoff at it by listening uh, to it proclaimed and then ignoring it, failing to obey it? Do you scoff at it by turning away from it, finding things to tickle your ears? Paul was so concerned in his last letter to Timothy in the climax of this letter after declaring the sufficiency and God uh, the the integrity of God's word, that all scripture is God-breathed. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing, preach the word. He's talking to Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. And if you are hearing the word of God at church, and you're not being reproved and rebuked and exhorted with great patience and instruction, something is very wrong. But he told Timothy to do this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They can't remain under it. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's scoffing at the word of God by their actions. Proverbs 13, 13, the one who despises the word will be in debt to it but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Proverbs 28, verse 9, he who turns his ear away from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. His prayer is an abomination. There are a lot of people on a daily basis who claim to be Christians who are scoffing at the word of God by their choices. Scoffing. They're sitting in the same seat of those who don't know Christ by their actions. So then, the blessed man does not listen or listen to the counsel or live his life according to the counsel of the wicked, doesn't act like the world, and doesn't live a life that ridicules God and his word. If you live a life that uh, ridicules God and his word, you're scoffing at him. So which man are you? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast from the beginning our assurance firm to the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Which man are you? The one who despises the word, you'll be in debt to it. Or are you one, as we will see in our passage, who delights in God's word? So the blessed man doesn't go by the world's counsel, doesn't uh, live a lifestyle of, of, of sin, doesn't live a life that scoffs uh, uh, God and his word. But what does he do? What does the blessed man do? Back to our passage, verse 2. But in contrast... His delight is the law of the Lord. Instead of these things, this is his delight. Instead of listening to the counsel of the wicked, 
instead of living like the world, instead of having a life that ridicules God and his word, instead of that, the blessed man does what? He delights in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. Now, what does this word delight mean? Well, in Hebrew, there's two words for delight. One speaks of enjoying. That's Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. The other word speaks of experiencing emotional delight, feeling great favor towards something, desiring something. And that's our word here. You see, the uh, blessed man has great favor, personal, emotional delight to the word of God. Now, that's not a perverted delight like we see in Ezekiel from those who hear the word and it's like a sweet song to them and they don't do it. That's not what this is talking about. This is about people who love the Lord and thus his word. You see, you can't delight yourself in the Lord unless you delight yourself in his word also. So then, the blessed man desires and delights, takes pleasure in the law of the Lord, takes pleasure in God's word. You see, when we don't delight in it, when we delight in other things, uh, for our counsel, whatever it might be, that's idolatry. When we delight in the word, we delight in it because it is the law of the Lord. It's his word. It's his word to us. And to delight in his word is to ultimately delight in him. To delight in him. The blessed man desires, delights, takes pleasure in his word, thus desires, delights in Christ. The blessed man has an intense desire for the Lord and his word. Does this describe you? Has something gotten in the way? What sin's in the way? Confess it. Be forgiven. Do you desire to know the Lord? Do you desire to seek him? Do you treasure his word? Do you see it as valuable? Read the Proverbs. Now, you might think people have a great desire for Jesus. Well, if they don't desire his word, they don't truly have a great desire for him. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Delights in the law of the Lord. You see, the fool does not delight in understanding, Proverbs 18.2. The fool does not delight in understanding, but only revealing his own mind. Many fools in the pulpits these days who do not delight in the word of God, but delight in revealing their own thoughts. Many foolish people in the pews who do not delight in the word of God, but delight in those who coddle their worldly mindsets and teach according to their worldly desires. Oh, if the church was like what we read in the Psalms. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 16. Let's, Let's turn to Psalm 119. You want to see someone who's blessed, read about this one in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 16. I shall delight in thy statutes. I shall not forget thy word. Verse 24. Thy testimonies are also my delight. They are my counselors. There you go. Don't go to anything but God through his word for counsel. Now, yes, if another person is a godly person and they give you his word, amen, praise the Lord. But if that's not the case, don't take the counsel. Verse 35, make me walk in the path of thy commandments for thy delight in them. Lord, help me walk that way. Verse 46, I will also speak of thy testimony before kings. 
I shall not be ashamed, and I shall delight in thy commandments, which I love. Psalm 68, thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart I observe thy precepts. Their heart is covered in fat, but I delight in thy law. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Verse 77, Psalm 119, may thy compassion come to me and may I live that I may live for the law is my delight. Verse 92, if the law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. Some of you are on the edge. You are faltering in your afflictions and you need to turn to God and delight in him and delight in his word. Have a heart change. There's something in the way. There's sin in the way. Confess it. Confess it. Psalm 119, 143. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet thy commandments are my delight. Verse 173. Let thy hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I long for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Oh, if the church delighted in God through his word. What do you delight in and desire? God gives us different desires, but our primary delight should be in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We should delight in his word. His word should just be that which is so sweet to us and so wonderful to us. If it isn't, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you're not saved, or sin has gotten in the way. What do you delight in? Now, there's some kind of delights I see in the church these days that kind of pull people away from the Word of God at times. It kind of spiritualizes their delight. Some people delight in the worship experience rather than Christ through His Word. Some people delight in the pastor's personality or speaking abilities rather than Christ through His Word. Some people delight simply in the church thing more than Christ through His Word. Some people delight in books more than Christ and his word. Devotionals more than Christ and his word. Theology, the reformers, more than Christ and his word. Expository preaching more than Christ and his word. Evangelism, their family more than Christ and his word. Not all these things are bad, but Christ needs to be primary. Christ needs to be primary. What do you delight in? Do you delight in worldly things? Some people on a negative side delight actually in their own anxiety and worry and self-pity. Maybe it's sex, drugs, alcohol. What is it? One pastor writes, The book of God is a store of manna for God's pilgrim children. The great cause of neglecting the scriptures is not of want of time, but of want of heart. Some idol taking the place of Christ. He writes, uh, if the Bible be used to write by anyone, it will be to him the most pleasant book in the world. Amen. What do you delight in? The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. And notice, second half of chapter, chapter uh, excuse me, Psalm 1, verse 2, second half of the verse. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That's all the time. The blessed man's got God's word on his heart all the time. If you are the blessed man or woman, you got God's word flowing through your heart all the time. You got it flowing through day and night. 
He meditates on it. The term meditate, the Hebrew word spoke of moaning or uttering or musing or muttering. It spoke of a young lion growling over its prey, Isaiah 31.4. It spoke of the moaning of a dove, Isaiah 38.14. It speaks of, uh, it's translated ponders in the NESB and studies in the New King James in Proverbs 14.28. It's used uh, synonymously with the word to speak. And I would say it means something like this. It's almost like reading it to yourself in a low tone almost mumbling it through your heart, just hearing the word going through. You're speaking it almost to yourself in a sense. It's going through your heart. Turn to Joshua 1.7. Joshua's commissioned by the Lord, by the captain of the armies. Joshua's commissioned. What does he say to him? Joshua 1.7. Only be strong and take this to heart, men and brothers and sisters, in the, in, in the battles that we fight in Christ. In, in the, in the world. battles not against flesh and blood, is it? Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. That's what you need, the word of God, right? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. I guarantee if you're not running the word through your heart day and night, you are not blessed. I just guarantee it. I guarantee it. So that you may be careful to do all that is all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. It's not simply meditating, it's meditating it so that you would obey it and you would do it. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble, be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And folks, when we are filled with the Spirit, it is an evidence the Word is dwelling richly in us. Ephesians 5, parallel passage, Colossians 3. So then, is the Word dwelling richly in you or poorly? You see, when you're hardened to the Word of God, sin is your problem. Just confess it. Be restored. And be the blessed man or woman. So then, we've seen the blessed man. He's not controlled by sin. It's not his paradigm of life. But he's a man or woman of the word, delighting and meditating on it day and night. And notice, there's the result. The blessed man or woman experiences true life. Verse 3, And he will be like... A tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. The blessed man experiences life, and what does that look like? It's stable. There's stability. He will be like a tree firmly planted. There's uh, the, the, the source of life, the, the water here in this, in this illustration, streams of water. Firmly planted by streams of water. The water most likely represents the Spirit of God, bringing forth the Word of God to the one who delights and meditates in it. Firmly planted, stable, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Do you lack stability in your walk with Christ? Do trials and storms get the best of you? Sadly, there are many unstable Christians. 
Don't be one. Don't be one. Focus on Christ. Meditate on his word. Delight in it. And you'll yield fruit. Look at verse 3. Which yields its fruit in its season. You see, the word of God through Christ by the spirit of God will produce fruit in its season in your life. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Colossians chapter 1 reveals what a fruitful walk with the Lord looks like. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. Galatians 5 reveals the fruit of the Spirit. When God's word is working in the heart of a believer who is not taking counsel from the world, who is not standing in the context of sinners and sin, who is not scoffing at God and his word, as we will see, but delighting in it. We see here there is stability and there is fruitfulness. Notice there's also eternality and its leaf does not wither. I believe it speaks of eternality. It doesn't, doesn't wither. There's also prosperity. And whatever he does, he prospers. The word speaks of success. That's spiritual success. He's blessed. He's blessed. We see virtually the same description in Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's turn to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. That's really what's going on, by the way. For he will be like a bush in the desert and not see prosperity when it comes, but will live in stony waste places or waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by water. Sound familiar? That that extends its roots by the stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Spiritual prosperity for the blessed man. The blessed man desires and delights in God's word, meditates on it day and night. Which man or woman are you? So then we've seen the blessed man. He's not controlled by sin. He doesn't have uh, the world's paradigm as his basis. He's a man of the word, not, and, he's, and he's controlled by the word. But notice, as we finish up, there's a contrast with the wicked. Verse 4, the wicked are not so. There you go. Literally, our text says in Hebrew, not so emphatically the wicked. Everything that was just said about the blessed man is not the case for those who have not had their sins forgiven, for the wicked. Not so. Not so the wicked. I don't usually like the NIV, but they got it right. Not so the wicked. Not so the wicked. And notice it even gets worse. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Chaff is the seed covering. It was the worthless debris separated from the grain or the seed in threshing. And unlike the grain or the actual seed, it had no substance and it was blown away by the wind. It's unstable. It's worthless. It had zero value. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. They're worthless. Zero value. This is a strong statement. 
The wicked and all they have accomplished is meaningless and worthless. What we perceive is so valuable and so important, and from God's perspective, not man's, but God's, is worthless. The wicked are not so. They are in no way like the blessed, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Strong statement. Strong statement. And notice, because their lives have no value, because they are wicked in their sins, by the way, because of that, therefore, verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. In Hebrew, Al-Kain, in Hebrew, therefore, for this reason, because their lives are meaningless and worthless in God's sight, because they are in their sins and they are wicked, they will not stand in the judgment. The term standing in the judgment means standing up to it. They're not going to make it through. They're going to be judged. They're going to be judged. You see, it is pointed man wants to die and then the judgment. That's what God says. If you die today and you don't know Christ, you'll go to Hades. And then you will go to the judgment, the great white throne judgment. And then you will experience the second death and punishment forever and ever. Turn to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Turn today. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Therefore, having overlooked times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men all everywhere that all, all everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. The wicked aren't going to stand in the judgment. I mentioned that Revelation 20 talks about the great white throne judgment. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And I pray none of you go to this. I pray everyone listening actually repents of their sin if you haven't. Because this day when this happens, you'll remember God was wooing your heart and you rejected him. Don't reject him. Do not harden your heart. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from those things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if any man's name is not found written in the book of life, he is thrown into the lake of fire. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. The only way you can stand in the judgment is to get forgiveness through Jesus Christ. The psalmist writes, O Lord, if there were to mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. You can't stand in your sins before a holy God. You'll be judged. But God poured out his wrath on his son Jesus instead. And he paid the full price. And if you're willing to acknowledge yourself that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, if you turn to Jesus Christ, believing in him, he died for your sins and rose from the dead, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you'll be forgiven. You will not be the wicked. You will be the righteous. And you will have the opportunity to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, to be blessed if you choose and desire him over all things. So then, he says here, for the wicked will not stand the judgment. Notice the parallelism. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. 
guess what? They're not, they're going to be judged and they're not going to heaven. Sinners are not going to be in the assembly of the righteous. They are in their sins. They'll be separated in punishment forever and ever. Sinners, that's the wicked. And notice why, verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He sees their way, that's their path, that's their actions. But the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows their way. Jesus made it clear many thought they knew knew him, but because of their sin, he didn't know them. Matthew chapter 7, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, and he said to them, depart from me, you who practice uh, wickedness. He said, depart from me, uh, you who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness. Does the Lord know your way? Does he know you? Do you know him? Do you know him? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 24, what the wicked fears will come upon them and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked will be no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Don't forget what Jesus said to that lady who said, blessed is the the the, the one who you nursed, nursed at. Luke chapter 11, blessed is the womb that bore you the breasts that were you nursed, but he said on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Which man or woman are you? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And uh, I pray for every true believer that any areas of sin which would cause us to not be blessed and our relationship with you would be exposed, if they're not already, that we would confess and we would turn and we would desire you above all things, that we would meditate on your word day and night. We would be like the psalmist, teach me your statutes, for I delight in them. Lord, I pray for anyone who's not saved, who is the wicked. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would feel the weight of your spirit's conviction of sin, and they would turn and believe in your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. And it is in his name we pray.